emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. And welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and on today's show, Customer Transformations. Hey, Ron, how's it going? I'm good, Ed. You must be thrilled. Uh, <laughs> yes, I am thrilled. You know, we... Um, we're going to fess up. I think I did mention it, actually, that when we we did our Free Rider Friday last week, that we had recorded that before Thanksgiving, which I think was like the 22nd of November. And the right. show didn't air, air until the t- till actually the first week in, in, in December. And we, we, we must have mentioned like Bitcoin a lot because every time in between like every story, we, we, we brought something up about it. And. I'm going to mention it again because holy cow, Ron! It, I think it was I think it was seven or eight thousand dollars when we recorded that show on in in mid November. And now let me check my Apple Watch because I put it on. I put it on. I think all right. It's fifteen thousand six hundred and fifty nine dollars per Bitcoin yep. now. Wow! And it was up around eighteen at one point yesterday, and then there was a, a huge crash. The crash of December seventh, I guess. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> if you don't, we, it's, we get you know not the crash of twenty nine. It was the crash of actually December seventh at one p.m. Um, <laughs> because now it's back up. And look, uh, this is really confusing economists, isn't it? They really just don't know where to go with this. And I just saw, and I haven't read the story yet, but I just saw where Alan Greenspan said he's confused by Bitcoin. Yeah. So if it, it, it meant how it works or why it's, you know, appreciating so much. But, you know, yeah, Alan Greenspan, it confuses him. <laughs> if he doesn't get it, well. But, uh, you know, and I have lots of people who are telling me this is clearly the next uh, coming of the tulip speculation and, and all that. And I, look, I, I, I look at it this way. Uh, you know, I, um, it, I, I'm out for from what I originally put in, as I mentioned. So right now, the way I sit, it's either going to change my life at some point or it's not. That's how I view yeah. it. Sure, so. sure. <laughs> no, I, I do not think this is tool-up mania. I think this is uh, a new, useful, needed technology. Sure, it may go through adjustments, but I think this thing is around to stay in some format because it's needed. That's the, that's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. And you know what's funny is I, yeah, I hear so many different objections to it. Like this one guy I saw this week was screaming about how it's uh, it, it doesn't function in at transactionally. You know, people don't buy stuff with Bitcoin, right? Right, right now, it's, it's mostly people who are just speculating in it and building up. And at least in the United States, like most of us are not spending it to, at, at Amazon. First of all, we can't. We have to do something else uh, indirectly. And he was saying, well, th- you know, this just proves that it's really not going to be worth it. And somebody said, well, we don't spend gold anymore either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <We're> not- <laughs> I, I think, Ed, it, it, you know, if I was put put on my George Gilder hat, we're going through a learning curve. 
And as this stuff gets figured out, you know, I know they had a fork recently because, you know, the transaction cost got too high to use Bitcoin. Uh, And Mm -hmm. as we learn about this and we smooth it out, it's going to be incredibly useful. The the Internet needs a currency and this is it. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And it's going to it's going to take another year or two, at least, I think, to flesh this out. I did hear a statistic that says once we get to. 20 million users of uh, of Bitcoin or holders of Bitcoin, that that's going to be a, a significant change. And that's, that is a, a still a significant time away because right now it's about 20 million, best estimate. Right, right. So um, it's good stuff. Anyway, good stuff. Anyway, enough about that. Okay, I promise we won't talk about it anymore unless it, you know, breaks 20,000 as we're on the show today. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> then we'll interrupt our broadcast. But let's talk about this this concept of customer transformations. You know, the, it, this is such a, a an interesting topic because in in many ways we we have already seen aspects of this. And the way that I've heard customer transformations phrased by you and others is that when the customer becomes the product, that's when you know we've entered the phase of customer transformations. And in some sense, Ron, we are the product on in Facebook aren't we, right? We are the product on Facebook because it's free. And people say, well, that's a stretch. How has it transformed anybody? But, you know, it has. I think back on the people that I've connected with from from college, from high school, from grammar school, back in my, you know, Levittown neighborhood (laughs) that that I thought I would never, ever talk to or see again. That's that's transformed me. It's transformed my life. It's made my life a little bit better to 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 just you know catch up ever so briefly with with these people, um, and you know just see how many of them are doing well and what they're doing, and um, so it it's it's transformed me. I I would willingly pay some monthly charge for Facebook, um, and I don't. And I and and it's what's great is even when they show me ads that I don't want to see anymore. I just click, I don't want to see this anymore, and they don't show it to me anymore. So I'm like, I that really don't have a problem with this. <laughs> yep, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, this is this goes back to our interview with Joe Pine, and this is the top of their economic, of you know, progression of economic value, right? Is It goes from um, stuff to goods to services to experiences and then to transformations. And without talking about all those other levels – I think the really cool point that they make is that any shift up to a higher offering entails giving away the old lower value offering. Right. And and that's, and that's really interesting, Ed, because, you know, if you think about it, it, right, you think about the birthday cake, right? Uh, you know, in the old days, you know, mom made you a birthday cake and maybe from scratch it cost a dime. And then and then eventually in the 30s, 40s, 50s, maybe you bought the Betty Crocker mix and that, you know, cost a couple bucks. And then we started buying the sheet cakes, you know, in the 70s and 80s, right? And you spend 10 or 20 bucks. And then uh, around, I don't know, 80s, 90s, you go to Chuck E. Cheese, you spend 250 bucks for a party, and they throw in the cake. Right. The cake becomes right. free. Yeah. Right. So that that's kind of, and and I don't know, maybe it's that way in Starbucks, too, as I think about coffee moving up through these levels, right? It became a, you know, commodity, and then it was a good, and then it became a service, and, and you know, in, in some places. But then in Starbucks, are you paying for the coffee, or are you pay, paying to sit there and use the internet and sit on their couch and read a book or whatever? Um, right. 
So it, it, it is really interesting, and it is true that a transformation is um, the customer is the product because unlike an experience which is personal, transformations are individual. No two are alike. And, right. and that, that's, that's really neat. And, and what's really cool about it, and this is why I got so excited when I originally read this book back in 1999, The Experience Economy, three industries are ripe for this. And it's those industries that focus on making us healthy, wealthy, and wise, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So it's education, medical, and, and certainly financial. So CPAs, lawyers, architects, you know, all of these things. Um, all these professionals, they're poised at the transformational level. And I just think, you know, whether you're talking about uh, psychiatrists or plastic surgeons or, you know, you can even expand this and, and, and think about religious excursions, right? Because they change us. Uh, outfits like Promise Keepers, um, GlaxoSmithKline has a committed quitters, you know, smoking program. Um, where you sign up and, and uh, you know, there's a 50% probability, uh, 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 increased likelihood that you're going to quit smoking if you join this program. Why? Because it's individually customized to you. Um, and, and, and I think about that when I, you know, I think about Harvard or, or any college, right? You go to college to transform into something else. Right. They're not in the transformation business. I mean, they're not in the education business. They're in the transformation business. Whether they turn you into a doctor, a lawyer, whatever. And uh, the, the other interesting thing I find about this, Ed, this, this concept of a transformation, unlike all the other offerings in that hierarchy of, of economic value, goods, services, and experiences, they have no lasting consequence beyond their consumption, except maybe a memory in terms of experiences, right? You, you can remember Disneyland or whatever, but, but transformations pay dividends for forever, mm-hmm. you know, or, or for a long time. And I, and I just, I, I find that another very interesting economic element of, of these things. And, and I think what we're saying here is this this transformation piece is we, we you actually do become a a transformed person, a slightly different person than you were than you had that particular experience, right? And again, I, I, I struggle with is it an experience or is it a transformation? Uh, and and don't get a lot of clarity around that myself all all of the time. But I but I it's sort of like the the old joke about um, you know obscenity. I know it when I see it. Uh, I sort of, I sort of know it when I feel it as a consumer, right? I know when I've been transformed. I, I totally believe that I've been transformed by by Facebook, by Twitter, by social media. So I, I but it's, but it's not something that's like, oh, it was this, this little element. It was this thing that made it that difference. Right, right. No, you know, I mean, in the book, the Experience Economy, they say that when you customize an experience, you turn it into a transformation. And a transformation is when the customer wants to become different, you know, kind of like a new you, right? Whatever that might be. And so it's very individual. Well, but what I'm saying is, is like, I didn't, I didn't go to the, the Facebook experience wanting to be a new me. Well, that's true. Right. 
right? Right. It yep. it it did make me a new me. It 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 connected me with well, and in in an odd way through nostalgia, right? In some cases, but it 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 did make me a new me. But and but I wasn't looking for that when I when I signed up. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's See a good where I'm point. Going? I- yeah, no, absolutely. And I, it, you're right. That is a blurry distinction when you think about Facebook or some of these other platforms. Um, and, and, you know, maybe we are paying a bigger price than we know. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure we are. I mean, I look, I, th- I think there is stuff that's coming down the pipe that's going to going to be different than different experience than Facebook at some point. But but um, that that where we will maintain a little bit more of our privacy. But that's that's not what we're talking about today. I. What about you, Ron? What do you feel transformed by social media, or is there is there something else that you can point to where you can say there was that was a transformation for you? I, I, parts of it are. I mean, you know, I, the only thing that comes to the right off the top of my mind with because that's a that's an interesting question is, you know, the idea of HSDs. Right, when somebody in the Verisage group has an HSD, we know about it, you know, relatively quick and and because they can post pictures or videos or whatever, I, I find that really cool. Whether or not that's transformed me, I'm not sure. I'm I'm not willing to say yet that social media has been transformational for me. Okay. Right. <laughs> because yep, yep, I also yep. find it incredibly annoying. Uh, <laughs> because they're you know, parts of it, let's face it, are the you know, the nation's bathroom wall. Um right, right, there's a right. lot of crap on it. Right, that's true. That's true, I, and and I guess it's just it's different. Pe- there's different pieces of me. I'm the, do I love it, love everything I've ever read on Facebook? Heck no, right? You know. Right. So and in, in in some ways, it's been a distraction in some 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 days for me. But but I still think overall, what, what the, it has it has made me a different person than I was. So anyway, okay, fair well, enough. Yep. But let back up a little bit. What? Why do you think that? this is such an important idea that that's, I want to get to talk a little bit about that first. Why is this such an important idea is why are we talking about it even? Because it's several reasons. One, it, 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 we are moving possibly into a new economic era. So when you think about their hierarchy of value and you think about the commodity business, you could think about the agrarian economy, right? Because we were pulling stuff out of the ground with farmers, right? Wheat, whatever. And then you move into the goods level and you can think about the industrial economy. And then you move into services and you can think about the service economy. And then you think about uh, experiences, you know, and certainly there are some sectors where experiences are really important. But the transformation economy to me is, is really relevant to especially professional firms because it it's defined all economic errors are defined you know by um by what their output is right mm-hmm. Ag- agrarian goods industrial right service and and that is real that is the real output of a professional is it's really a transformation it's not a service it's not mm-hmm. even an experience mostly it's mostly a transformation and i think that's why it's so important for us on this show because we're trying to help, you know, professional firms and businesses, you know, add more value. And I think even the language surrounding the concept of a transformation is how you can 
provide more value. I, what, I, what I find interesting, and I know we're up against a break probably, um, but you know, if you think about fast foods, if, if fast food restaurants, banks, you know, these people are trying to minimize the time they spend with their customers, self-service, right? Get them in and out, right. call center, you know. But but in experience economy, you're you're supposed to charge for the the customer supposed to pay for the time they spend with you. And I don't mean billable hours. I mean you know, going into Disneyland or something. And maybe we have it backwards. Maybe we should be spending more time with the customer so we can create a better experience and and in the professional's case to transform their lives. You know, change them into something new. And so I think this is kind of a. a you know, groundbreaking idea on, on so many levels. Well, I have a story to tell about that, but we are against our break, Ron. We want to remind you that you can get a hold of either one of us by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. The website, of course, is The Soul of Enterprise, and please view show notes there as well as any of the previous episodes that we've done are up on that page. And I want to remind you that please keep us in the currency of the media, and that is the reviews on iTunes as well as our book. If you've had a chance to read that, please go out and give it a review on Amazon. Amazon. But right now, a word from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here doing customer transformations. And Ed, before you get into your story, just, just one more thing on these economic eras. Um, you know, no one bought birthday parties in an agrarian economy, <laughs> right? right? I mean, we right. pay for a lot of things today that we would have never paid for in the past, getting our oil changed or, you know, even throwing a birthday party. Um, you know, you used to read a book, right? And then you'd maybe go see the movie. Now you, you see the movie and then you go experience the ride. 
Yeah. 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 Right. So I I think there's definitely, we're we're definitely moving, whether you want to call it an intangible economy or whatever, um, but experiences and these transformations are becoming more and more valuable. Uh, And if you think about offerings that are more commoditized, even though we both hate that word, um, they're not providing anything beyond just the basic offering. They're not memorable. They, you know, they don't sell memorabilia because there's nothing memorable about them. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, I think that's why I find this, this uh, hierarchy so interesting because I, I think it's a really good framework for understanding how the, the various stages our economy has moved through. Yes, and and so the story I was going to tell runs. I was talking to uh, a, a CPA uh, f- firm. Um, I think this is about six weeks ago, and one of the insights that they shared with me is they they are implementing a lot of technology. And as you know, Ron, speaking at conferences, th- that this is just uh, we beat over the head with you know implementing technology at the CPA practice, like sessions about that, right? And, you know, technology, technology, technology. Yep. Right. And, and and of course it's 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 a it's a derivation it's a it's a subcult if you will of of the whole efficiency people right right that that driving driving efficiency driving costs down inside the firm and that's why you've got to implement technology because it's that's what it's going to do well th- this firm and the one of the principals in this firm I won't share his name because I don't have permission to but he he said to me you know we we are all in on this technology stuff. We we uh, have been been constantly challenging ourselves to get better and implement newer and newer technology inside the organization. He says, but there's one key difference that I think about our firm than others that I've seen implement this. And he said, he says because we do it not because it it reduces the amount of time and interaction that we have with the customer which is what I hear from everybody else, but rather because it allows us to have, and this was the phrase he used that got me, deeper, richer conversations with our customers. Right. 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 So the, what the technology is doing is it's allowing allowing all of that other stuff, that document sharing, uh, all, all very important stuff. I'm not not trying to dismiss that, and it's got to it's got to work. It's got to do what it says that it it needs to do, but. I think the way that unfortunately it's positioned and sold is around this notion of, hey, listen, we can we can eke out more efficiencies inside your firm, and this is now the holy grail. And it's no, no, we can do this so that you can have better conversations with your customers. That's really the key. And and you can spend more time with them. And and this is right. what I find so counterintuitive about this. Yeah, the the backstage processes, like you say, can be can be automated so you can save time. But what are you going to do with that extra time? If you just go out and get more, more customers, well, then you're just adding layers of complexity to your business. But if you spend more time per customer, then you can actually go very deep with them. And then you can effectuate and guide these transformations, which are much higher value than just cranking out the services that all the new technolo- the technology allows you to do much quicker. Right. Exactly, and and, th- and I think that's really a, a it's a it's a good insight there, a great insight for for people to be thinking about. I, I and and what I find interesting is how often even the the players in the space, the people who are providing those technology solutions, don't even see that themselves. They they just see themselves as oh yeah, we're making you more efficient, you know. 
<laughs> and, and, you know, in the book, uh, I, I, I kind of like this, too. When we want to transform ourselves to become something different, a new you, Pine and Gilmore call such buyers aspirants mm. because they aspire yeah. to be to be something new. And, 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 and that's, that's kind of interesting lingo by itself. But then they go in and they talk about when you're offering transformations, there's three separate phases that you have to go through. And we've talked about this, Ed, but never specifically in the context of, of this, this idea of transformations. You have to diagnose their aspirations by using from two statements right? From Mm -hmm. flabby to fit, from sick to well, from single to married, from grief to normal living. Those are just some of the examples, right? Mm -hmm. So diagnosing again, and and you've beat up on this theme so often, you know, the whole uh, prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. And we lament uh, professionals don't spend enough time up front and they don't do a, a thorough diagnosis. And we also lament the fact that they tend to give that away even though mm-hmm. the diagnosis is part of the highest, you know, highest part of their offering. Um, but their second phase for offering transformations is staging the transforming experiences. And then the third stage is following through. You got to have some mm-hmm. type of follow through to make sure that, you know, they're staying on track and, and that, that they're satisfied, that they're happy. Um, and, and they give the example of Alcoholics Anonymous has very good follow through. I guess you get assigned a buddy or whatever and they, you know, you just, you're, or maybe you go to regular meetings. There's gotta be some type of, you know, contact as, as you go. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and what I love about this is when you're offering transformations, especially when you're pricing for them, and we can talk about that, uh, next, but when you're when you're offering transformations, you're going to be much more selective about the customers you take on because you can't change them. They have to be willing to change themselves. You can only guide them. And since they're going to be walking advertisements and testimonial for your firm, they better be taking your advice. Otherwise, you got to cut them loose, right? It'd be like yeah. going to a fitness person and, and saying, I want to go from flabby to fit and, you know, you get bigger, <laughs> Well, you're, yeah. you know, you're a walking billboard or, you know, a blimp, a walking blimp to, you know, says they're, they don't work. They're not effective. So it's, it's the customer selection. I think you become much more selective about who you work with. And this is where I think that we will loop in again, the, the name of our show, the soul of enterprise here. There's, there's a quasi spiritual experience going on here, regardless of what it is, right? This transformation, there's, there's a, there's a bit of the, a bit of the spiritual, not necessarily religious, but spiritual in here. Oh, I, I, you're dead right. Because listen, when we remember when we asked Joe Pine, when he was interviewed on our show, Chief. That was back in like March Ed, of 2015. I, I can't believe how time flies. But uh, we asked him, what's beyond transformations? And he said, well, that's mm-hmm. not for this earth, right? Well, right, here, right, right, right. right. Here's, how, here's how they actually have a chapter in the book. What is beyond transformations? Here's how they answer mm-hmm. the question. According to our own worldview, there can be no sixth economic offering because perfecting people falls not in the domain of human business, but under the province of God. So mm-hmm. <laughs> this, this is as close as you can get to, you know, um, to, to that, 
to the province of God, I guess, province of heaven or whatever you believe in uh, here on earth, right? So that's the other thing that excites me about it is it's, it's incredibly spiritual because you're, it's like I talk about with, with lawyers, who, especially lawyers who do estate planning. They, they talk about that being a commodity. Oh, it's just trust documents and estate planning and, you know, anybody can do it and you can go on to legal Zoom. And, but it's like, no, time out. Wait a minute. If you do it right and use the right language, you're helping these people plan their legacy. And how important is Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, George Soros, how, how important is their legacy? It, it, it's critical because you're touching their soul at that point, right? You're, I mean, it's their legacy for crying out loud, not just with their kids and their family, but with the world. And that's as far away as I can think of from a service, especially a commodity. Yeah. No, absolutely. Great, great stuff, Ron. Great point. But uh, we're look at this up against our next break already. I can't believe it's flying by as usual. Uh, please do review the book and our podcast portion of the radio show at iTunes. And you can get to that by going to thesoulofenterprise.com slash iTunes. It will take you immediately to that iTunes page. If you don't want to write a review, please at least click on the five-star or whatever star you feel appropriate rating because those, as I mentioned earlier, are the currency of what it is that we do and love for you to have that. And uh, do take a look at thesoulofenterprise.com. makes an excellent holiday gift, uh, for, especially for your brother-in-law since it's going to be a, a little bit valued b- below what the what you actually pay for it. But right now, a word from our sponsor, our new sponsor, Abacus Next. future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Results CRM, the award-winning Abacus Next product, is a customer relationship management solution that will automate your business processes, streamline workflows, and deliver consistent results. Cloud-enabled to provide access to your users anytime from anywhere. Grow your business in 2018 with the number one QuickBooks CRM. To learn more about Results CRM, visit ResultsCRM.com. Clouds come in all shapes and sizes, and the Abacus Private Cloud is the perfect fit. Abacus Cloud enables all the desktop apps you know and love while providing unparalleled security to your business. Cloud functionality gives you the flexibility to work where you want, when you want, and from any device you want. Don't waste countless hours managing IT. Take back your time. Learn more at abacusnext.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You 
are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here talking about customer transformations and Ed, one of my favorite stories to illustrate this, and total hat tip and attribution to our uh, Verisage colleague, Tim Williams, for this, but hiring a landscaper, um, th- this process is a pain. I've been through several landscapers. I don't like any of them. Um, they all do a lot. You know, they, <laughs> they do an okay job, but I'll tell you why I don't like them. Let's, so, so let's say you're hiring a landscaper, and yeah, I don't know, you go to Angie's List or Google, Yelp, whatever, you find three that look okay, and the first guy comes out, and he kind of walks around your yard with the clipboard, and we all know what he's doing, right? He's scoping out the work. How big's the mm-hmm. yard? Any trees, plants? How long is it going to take my team to do this on a weekly basis? And he comes out, and he says, okay, Ron, no problem. This is going to be 40 bucks an hour. Well, he's charging based on inputs, and, and that raises more questions than it answers. I mean, is he going to send out his seven-year-old, you know, to do the yard and, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I, you know, and I'm going to be paying 40 bucks an hour for it. The next guy comes, he does the same thing. He's got the clipboard. He's checking out the scope of work and he comes to the end and he says, Ron, no problem. I can do this. I'm a hundred bucks a month. Okay. That's a little bit better because at least he's giving me a fixed price. He's charging me based on outputs. But then the third guy comes out gets out of his truck he's got the clipboard too so he's you know he's scoping the work but he starts a conversation with me and so so ron tell me what do you do and i say well you know i travel a lot i'm not home and um i I really don't like yard work he said yeah i take it you're not martha stewart you don't really like doing this and no not really and you know i got a pretty small yard ed i mean a hungry goat could handle it and he's he's walking around the yard and he's conversing with me. So tell me why 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 do you want to change landscapers? And well, because you know when I'm here and he's here, which because I travel so much happens once every Haley's Comet. Uh, I have to go out and point out stuff to him, right? What why is the mm-hmm. sprinkler d- not working? Why is this bush dead? I mean, he's the professional. Why do I have to point this stuff out? It drives me crazy. Because I don't want to mm-hmm. think about my yard. So, and we're, we're conversing and he's talking to me. He comes to the end and he says, Ron, he said, I'll tell you what. He says, we're going to take care of everything. We're even going to plant different trees and shrubber, or shrubbery and bushes for the different seasons. We're going to chemically treat your tree so it stays healthy and robust. You're not going to have to think about your yard. And furthermore, you're going to have the best curbside appeal in the neighborhood. I'm 250 a month. Who am I going to hire? And and I think the language around that, because he focused on the outcome or what we're going to call the transformation, the transformation Mm -hmm. is I want to go from having, you know, you know, basically good looking yard, but to having the best curbside appeal in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Now, if I was selling, you know, or had plans to sell and he did ask me that then I, I, I would have even more incentive to do that. Now, maybe he could have offered me three options. You know, he could have mm-hmm. said, well, basic lawn care up to the neighborhood standards and best curbside appeal. I could, you know, there'd be different ways to price this. But the fact that he's focusing on the transformation and not boring me with scope of work and inputs and deliverables, right? He's going to do whatever it takes to get give me the best curbside appeal. 
if you can charge two and a half times more, twice as much, 150% more, what's that worth? Exactly. Yeah. It's, well, obviously more than $150, right? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, the problem is that third landscaper doesn't exist. He, well, a, we haven't, we have we certainly haven't found them. <laughs> I haven't. It, it, Tim Williams did find them, by the way, and it was for a rental property that he owns. And, mm. and, and that is what the guy told him. And boy, I, I just think that is so smart. And I'm sure he's charging Tim a premium price for his, for his work, but he communicates the value differently and he does a better job capturing the value of, if they're pricing right. Yeah, and I and I've often told this this story as well, Ron. And and one of the things that I usually suggest is is, is a little exercise that you can do inside your organization, and that is in your profession or in with your customer base, whatever whatever segment you segmentation you want to you want to put around it. Ask yourself this question: What is the equivalent of the best curbside appeal in the neighborhood? And that's that's a it's a good question, but it's not an easy question to answer. You're not going to go, oh, okay, got it, right? Right. It requires some deep thinking, right? The the best curbside appeal in the neighborhood is it, it, it's obvious in 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 us telling the story retrospectively. But if we were to ask you, all right, what well, how is a landscaper going to going to what how is he going to position it so that it's a transformation? You it probably wouldn't come up with that phrase, right? Um, so, so, so it, it, but once you hear it, you're like, oh, I get it. That's what you have to do. So that's the exercise inside your head to mull around over and over again. All right. What is, what is my industry's equivalent of the best curbside appeal? Yeah. Yeah. It, it reminds me of when we had Lee Cockerell on from Disney, who said, you know, when's the three o'clock parade and every business has its version of <laughs> when's the three o'clock parade, you know, right. um, because that's not what they're asking. They're not asking when that when it starts. They're asking what's the best place to be in when it you know when right. it starts. Am I in a good place? Um, you know things like peace of mind. Things like uh, telling your telling your family story to posterity. You know that would be in my mind some some professionals' idea of the best curbside appeal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let me just give you an example, though. I think that I thought this was pretty cool. This was in the book, The Experience Economy. And, and by the way, folks, we are talking about the updated version of that book, and which uh, Pine and Gilmore released in 2011. And so we will link to the updated version, not the first version, which came out in 1999. But they talk about Safeco Insurance in 2007 launched Teen Insurance. And it was for teenage drivers. And it was an online driving assessment. Uh, it tracked your your uh, teenage driver's speed. You know, it had GPS, uh, the, the time they spent driving, where they went. It had preset speed limits. There was parental notifications. Um, you know, if they violated any of these presets, there's roadside assistance. I mean, what are they selling here? This is a transformation Right. Yep. It, it, it. I mean, this goes beyond experience. I mean, this is peace of mind. This is just. This is all sorts of things. Making hopefully making the kids better drivers, right? Mm-hmm. In the process. So there's that. It's it's that type of innovation, much like the psychological innovation of Uber, that we're talking about uh, with these transformations. It's literally the customer is the product. 
Yeah. You know, uh, one one of the, the aspects or one of the, the companies that I see who's doing some of this, Ron, have you seen any of this uh, these these master classes that are coming out? Mm, for what? Seen? No. All right. So it's it, there. It's you know, it's it's online education, right? Oh, this okay, is this okay. is the deal, right? Yep, yep. And it's the the website is masterclass.com, but it's Steve Martin teaches comedy, right? Gary Kasparov teaches chess, right? Right. right. So you're getting the best uh, of the best, yeah. You get the absolute best of the best in this, and you know, I I, I think that these these are my, you know I haven't taken one myself, although I I have looked into the the Kasparov one just because I want to get back into playing some chess, but um it, you know I think I think the, these are the e- examples of things that potentially could be transformational for folks, right? Sure. Yeah, you know, we're not, we're, you're not you're not just doing a you're not just doing online education w- w- and oh let's you know come up with some chess program. You're like no let's let's find the best of the best at this. Yep, yep. You're not just getting your your uh, continuing professional educational hours, but you're actually transforming people. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that's a challenge, but but it's it's definitely doable. I mean, I I think Ed, we do it. You know, people come out of our programs and say, wow, I'll never think about the world the same way again. You know, and that is in its own way a transformation. And especially if we can get them to go back to their firms and change their behavior, well, then that is a transformation. Sure. But, you know, but what's, oh, go ahead. Th- what's interesting about that run, though, is that the number of times that we've seen that where it requires two people, which I think is interesting, right? We've, we've often commentated that when, we, when we've done classes and two people from the same firm come, that they are more likely to, to bring it back to whatever size organization and have it stick because they at least have somebody else who's not just a crazy person screaming in the wilderness when they get back. Yeah, no doubt. That's why even even when I worked with Paul Dunn and Rick Payne and they used to do the accountants boot camp, you had to have at least two partners from a firm attend that. Otherwise, they wouldn't just sell it to one partner for that very reason, because that person would come back and sound like a complete lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> so that is that is very, very true. There's a there's a London based uh, consulting firm, Ed, by the name of Celerant. And they actually use uh, the language that they're in the transformation business. And what's interesting is they do put uh, at, at risk a, a portion, if not all of their price, that are tied to certain performance benchmarks. So rather than just you know showing up and you know throwing a report on the executives' desks and saying good luck, you know, and walking out like a lot of consultants do, they actually roll up their sleeves and try and hit some milestones and and that doesn't necessarily have to be sales or profit. There could be other, you know, other types of benchmarks, but they'll, they'll put a certain portion of their price at risk. And I don't think you can do that, uh, with more customers. I think you have to have less customers to do that because it requires more time per customer. And yes, no, I absolutely agree. That's what I see so liberating about this technology. Like you were saying at the start, Watson, whatever, you know, what artificial intelligence bots, whatever it is. uh, Yeah, it's taking over this rote work. It's freeing us up to do what? To guide these transformations. (laughs) And that requires you spending 
more time. Let's stop thinking about spending less time with the customer and trying to figure out how to spend more time with them so we can create more transformations. I'm in violent agreement with you, Ron. So we're up against our last break. Ron, I remind you that to email myself and Ron, you can send an email to one email address, and that is ask, A-S-K-T-S-O-E for the soul of enterprise. And that's ask, T-S-O-E at verisage.com. That'll come to both of us. And we're happy to answer your questions. We love getting getting emails from, from you out there. I uh, also want to remind you the website, thesoulofenterprise.com. Uh, there's the book up there as well as uh, previews to upcoming show notes to up and, uh, and show notes from previous shows. But right now, a word from our final sponsor and, of course, my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. There is no blueprint for running the perfect firm. No way to know the challenges you'll face. But your journey does not have to be an odyssey. Experience what it is like for every part of your firm to be connected. Experience a practice management tool where everything is just a click away. Experience Office Tools. To learn more, visit officetools.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right, well, welcome back, everybody. We're talking about customer And, Ed, I love this, what they say, because we, we, we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, good customer service, whether it's your story from Zappos or Nordstrom or, you know, we mm-hmm. talked to Stanley Marcus, Neiman Marcus. Um, but they say the easiest way to turn a service into an experience is to provide poor, poor service. <laughs> <laughs> Because people are going to remember it. They're going to comment on it. But what they suggest is we have to move from going from how do we do, Mr. or Mrs. Customer, to what do you remember? Mm. And and I thought that was kind of interesting. Now, this is to move from service to experience. And, you know, for example, they talk about how 90% of car buyers 
report that they're satisfied with the um, with their brand of car, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is AD Power, but only. 40% of car buyers buy the same brand next time. Interesting. So that is really interesting. And so you, know, you, you had asked me a question during the break, which I, which I think is really fascinating, is it, it, does this apply to everybody? You know, can everybody offer transformations? Or maybe the question is, should everybody try and offer transformations? And well, no, it probably doesn't apply to everybody. I mean, if all you want to do is offer a service in in large volume and go for high market share, then you're just not going to be able to provide these types of customized transformations. But I think if Joe Pine was on, he'd say, well, then you're going to be relegated to a lower value. <laughs> you know, he would use the word commodity type uh, mm-hmm. pricing uh, power. And uh, I, I think even if you're in the service business, uh, if you can step it up to an experience and make it more memorable, do something to make it more memorable, then I do believe you can you can uh, at least have a little bit more pricing power. And and that's why I think about how what Starbucks did with coffee. Say, you know, mm-hmm. they changed it just from a, a a good into a service, but then then they also turned it into an experience by giving you that that third place, right? That place between home and work where you could go. Yeah, and, and, and like Apple, Apple's transformed the retail experience, right? You can you can go in. I don't know if you know this, Ron, but if you have the uh, the Apple Store app on your phone, you can go and take a product off a shelf, scan it, and walk out with it. Sure, sure, right? Yeah, no, and that's... you know this is this is, this is it's wildly transformative because you you can if you know what you want, you can walk in, take it without ever interacting with anyone, or you can have the complete opposite experience, and that is have a detailed one-on-one conversation with somebody if you want to know the inner in and ins and outs of a particular product, right? So they 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 were able to they're able to to go to serve both ends of that market from an experience perspective. But I would say this, but and but again, in your point being valid you know apple's not cheap right what what, what the what the, the trade-off here is the more you try to make something an experience the more likely it is that you're going to be also do doing premium pricing on it um but but I, I will say this is i is it maybe just for professionals is it a portfolio play do you say all right i i would what i really want to aim for is 10 to 20 percent of my customer base should be in in this experience piece or do you go after well, well i want everyone to have an experience and i'm really going to have a lot fewer customers than than i normally would so i, I think that there is some um, some uh, room for some middle ground here, although I do think it would be difficult to serve both markets well in the long term. At least under one brand, I think it might add. I mean, if you had right. two different brands to be able to do that, then yeah, I think that makes complete sense. But, you know, to your Apple point, that got me thinking, let's just take something a bit more pedestrian. Let's think about restaurants. You know, most mm-hmm. restaurants are still charging for the food, right? And yet, why do we go to a lot of restaurants? Well, at least the high-end ones, you go for the experience, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of the smarter restaurants are 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 trying to create more of an experience rather than to turn the tables really quick. You know, they try and keep you in there for longer and, and keep you engaged longer. And I mean, the French Laundry here up in Yontville, which is close to Napa, you know, one of the best restaurants in the world, they say. Uh, it's like a four-hour dining experience. 
I mean, mm. you know, you, you between courses, you walk through their beautiful gardens and, and all this type of thing. But they're there because there's only one seating per night, and it's a small restaurant. But they don't turn the tables because they keep you there all night. Now, again, that's premium pricing. But how can a restaurant turn, you know, into a, a service? And, and one of the examples, and, and you might have been to this place that I never have. We have to go. Have you ever been to Ed? the Bevix restaurant? Yes, I have. I have in Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These are the yeah, rude, mean-spirited guys who insult you. The way yep. <laughs> yep. And if, if you ask where the restroom is, they run through the restaurant saying, so look, this one's got a tinkle. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, no, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. You actually pay for rude service. It's right, right. quite bizarre. It's, it's yeah. like going to a, It's like going to a Don Rickles restaurant, you know? <laughs> yeah. And they make fun of your order, like, oh, that's dumb. What do you, you know, why you, no pickles? The pickles are the best part. You're an idiot. Just get them on the side. Get it, you know, get them on the side and somebody else can have them. Because you don't, don't take, you know, good pickles away from somebody else. So get them on the side. Yeah, oh, that's, I know. that's great. That's great. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a, a restaurant in, I think it's in Disney World, where it's a like a 50s diner, you know, and they have like, you know, Leave it to Beaver playing on the, the TVs in the booths and stuff. But the, the people are like your parents, you know, the, the waiter said to get, get your elbows off the table and don't talk with your mouth. But, you know, they, they're <laughs> chiding the kid. And, but, but, you know, it's that type of thing. It's just, and, and the thing about experiences is because we're just all people, even B2B buyers like experiences, who, who doesn't want to have a good experience? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and the other thing that I'm reminded about this, and I, I think more and more about this as time goes on, is the whole notion of really getting that first interaction or first set of interactions right with every single customer. Uh, because what you don't want is for them to shut down and and decide that they're going to have a bad experience with you and then look for ways to for for that to be reinforced right and i i you know the 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 story that Rory Sutherland tells of the the uh, the check-in experience at hotels is just so true and i think many professionals really should spend an inordinate amount of time getting that first couple of experiences both as a prospective customer but also once they do sign on and become a customer you should overwhelm them with 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 what it is with your experience that's what i should say it that way um and then that can, that can then lead ultimately to a transformation yeah absolutely and 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 again to cite rory sutherland the other very humorous example i love is when he talks about the channel you know engineers have defined it all in terms of speed he says well but if you didn't build the channel you could save 22 billion you could take that money and you could hire you know male and female supermodels and serve you know the best champagne in the world and people would ask for the trains to be slowed down yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, or just give them fast, wicked fast internet access. That's all I want. If you if you give me wicked fast internet access, I will sit there for hours. It's <laughs> well, well, Ed, just in the in the half second we half minute here we have. But just at the end of the day, you are what you charge for, folks. And the question is, what do you want to be? Do you want to be in the service business? Do you want to be in the experience business, or would you would you like to be in the transformation business? Because if you're in the transformation business, that's probably the most intellectually demanding of their hierarchy, and it's going to be able to command you a much higher price. So, and it's a great topic. I mean, I just really I love this topic. I think there's a lot more to it, but 
think we did a pretty good job here covering the basics. And what do we have on store for next week? Ron, I am thrilled to be able to announce that next week we have uh, Johan Norberg is going to be our guest on the show. Um, his book, Progress, 10 Things, uh, t- 10 Reasons Why, uh, the, I can't remember the exact name, but 10, ten, ten reasons, reasons Why. To look forward to the future. Look forward to the future. 10 Reasons to Look Forward to the Future. Just got a fascinating, a fascinating guest and uh, really looking forward to interviewing uh, Johan Norberg. Fantastic. I'll see you in 167 hours, Ed. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please do visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com.